Welcome to Bio, a podcast produced by the Biographers International Organization. Bio is devoted to promoting the work of biographers and advocating for biography as a genre with the support of biographers and biography lovers worldwide. I'm Bio member Lisa Napoli in Los Angeles. On each episode, we'll talk with the biographer about his or her work. This time, a conversation with philosopher John Cagg, the chair of philosophy at the University of Massachusetts Lowell. His latest book is titled Hiking with Nietzsche on Becoming Who You Are from Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux. It's the second in a trilogy of philosophical journeys that fuse memoir with biography. Our conversation began with how he was drawn to philosophy as a young man. When I was 19, I came from central Pennsylvania um, from a Lutheran family, much like Nietzsche's, and um, I took a philosophy class, um, which is unusual for a conservative kid to take a philosophy class. And because it's so, it seems extravagant or... Yeah, I mean, my mother wanted me to become a lawyer, or make money, um, not to become a philosophy professor, which is what happened. <laughs> And uh, at the end of that class, one of the reasons I went into philosophy is at the end of that class, which centered on European existentialism, my professor said to me, he said, you've never been outside the state, much less the country. He handed me an envelope, and inside the envelope was $3,000. And he said, you should go hiking with Nietzsche. So Frederick Nietzsche is sort of the European bad boy um, of existentialism. Uh, God is dead, what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And to a Lutheran kid at 19, that was pretty exciting stuff. My professor um, had arranged for me to go to Sils Maria, Switzerland, which is where Nietzsche summered uh, through the 1880s and where he wrote most of his books. And so when I was 19, I spent nine weeks at what's now called the Nietzsche House, which was once the boarding house that Nietzsche stayed at, but it is now a museum. And I slept next to Nietzsche's room. And so Hiking with Nietzsche is a story, story of two philosophical um, journeys, one when I was 19 um, and had a particular version of uh, Nietzsche in mind as a particular reading, and then again when I, when I was 36, um, and I took my partner of the time and my uh, child, who was at the time five, um, back to Sils Maria. And so what you get is two very distinct uh, distinctly different readings of Nietzsche, one centering on individualism and the will to power, that's 19, and then another which is a sort of calmer, hopefully calmer, uh, more sensitive reading of Nietzsche when I'm 37. Would you have ever embarked on a traditional or classic biography of Nietzsche? Or I wouldn't. Sue did that um, in her book, I Am Dynamite, and she did a lovely job. But what I am interested in, um, both in American Philosophy of Love Story, but then also in Hiking with Nietzsche, is writing and demonstrating the way in which philosophy can impact a life. And that requires me to play with form quite a bit. So these are hybrid memoir intellectual histories. Um, and so what I do is I tell a story about my life in part, but at the same time I show a reader, or hopefully show a reader, how a reading of philosophy can impact your life, how it's very, very, it's basically uh, self-help for the smart set, which is in fact what philosophy has always been. 
Well, and that's what I appreciate about your work, what I've read of it so far, because I've always been daunted by philosopher, and I think it's so impressive and interesting and fascinating and scary. And so what I was attracted to when I read about just the descriptions of both your books was this is something I can maybe wrap my brain around. And I thought, well, it's particularly interesting given that you are a philosopher academic um i don't know what other philosophers there would be out in the right, right. <laughs> nobody's just sitting on a mountain you're not a, just a guru so that pr- approach um clearly was the underpinning of what you're doing you want to reach people like me i do I, w- I want this to reach a general audience so philosophy is oftentimes thought of as the most abstract of disciplines um the most esoteric the most out there but Originally, philosophy was simply a way of thinking through the business of living, and it asked the question, uh, why do our lives that seem ephemeral, short, fragile, why are they not a complete waste of time? And that's that existential question underpins all of the books that I'm now writing. Um, so the, the third book in this trilogy is called Love's Conditions, and it will be about Thoreau, um, back to American philosophy. Um, but it really asks the question, how do you live a vibrant life in the face of death? And that's a question that I think um, philosophers intend us to ask. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We talk a lot in the biographical circles about, um, you know, do you do cradle to grave or do you do a slice of life? And that's the other thing. I And, and then there's the memoir circle, too. So I really appreciated the sort of twin Right. approach. I, I do not go, I, there's a loose cr- chronology that I employ uh, using Nietzsche's life as one of the through lines for the book. So you do get um, a sense when you open Hiking with Nietzsche, you can you can read the book and you get a sense of Nietzsche's life from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Do you get the definitive reading like Proudhoe's book? No. But what you also get in the process is a chronology of my my own life. Um, so there are two chronologies going on at all times, um, of course, with flashbacks and, uh, you know, back and forth. And it is deeply personal. Was that a challenge for you or was it liberating for you or both? So, I, I mean, it was both a challenge, but it was also deeply liberating. So um, many of so Nietzsche, when he says what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, at 19, I take that as a challenge to climb every single mountain that I can. And uh, when Nietzsche says, perhaps um, the best way to live is to live uh, sort of lightly, in other words, to not, not uh, Nietzsche had trouble with eating most of his life. Hmm. Uh, his stomach bothered him most of his life, and he tried various diets. And so I tried out these diets when I was in Sils Maria. And... Um, it turns out that when you do that and when you hike a lot, you come back and sometimes you have an eating disorder or sometimes you have anxiety and depression. And w- what I'm trying to show in these books is the way that philosophers impact our lives. Um, they can give us eating disorders. They can help us get eating disorders. They can help us out of suicidal ideations. They can help us into suicidal ideations. And these are um, important um, I think this is why uh, philosophy is popular with undergraduates, because uh, they can see it as impact impacting their lives. Yes, yes. And for older students, too. 
I think it's, yeah, relevant at every point. If you could talk for a minute about your process, how do you juggle life in general and your day job, if you will, which of course is a myth because there is no day job. You're always working, always thinking, and the process of of writing. No, it's a great question. Um, So I have a six-year-old daughter. Um, and that takes a lot, it turns out that takes a lot of time. (laughs) And so parenting while you're writing is difficult because the way that I write is typically in my head. And then I come to the computer and I write it down, which it seems strange, but a lot of writers do do that. They're thinking about, they're thinking, right. They're, they're writing as they're going through their day. One problem with that is that you don't remain present. Uh, to others or to your loved ones because you're up in your head forming sentences or paragraphs that you then write down. So um, I, the, my process is actually not time-consuming when it comes to sitting in front of a computer, relatively speaking, hmm. but it is time-consuming in terms of the distraction that it probably gives me. Now, one more thing about form and process. I turned away from academic philosophy when I had children. Primarily because when you do academic philosophy, it is so rigorous and so time-consuming in terms of the citation process, Mm. the reading of secondary literature. But when you write popular trade books, um, what you're thinking about is style, narration, flow. And these things can be dealt with without painstaking footnotes. And oftentimes FSG said, no, these books will not have footnotes. Your publisher, yeah. That's a liber for an academic, that's a liberation. Liberating, yeah. So you you touch on something that's very important for anybody who might be listening to this who hasn't written, which is that so much of writing is really thinking. Right. It's not just... That's right. Pecking away. That's right. So uh, one, one of my day jobs was to teach expository writing at Harvard. And um, I said that for however long you are in front of your computer writing, it's probably going to take you three times as long to write a good piece just thinking about it. Um, And so what I find is very helpful is um, I run a good deal, I walk a good deal, I parent a good deal. And these these times actually give me a chance to think. Um, Because when you're feeding a two-year-old, sometimes you have the chance to just think about other things. I mean, granted, the food has to go in the mouth, but, you know, you're thinking about other stuff. (laughs) Right, right. Is there anything that you've learned from being a parent that you can apply to your writing life? Patience. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, patience and not everything has to be perfect. Um, And that goes for writing that then plays back into parenting and living. And then similarly, parenting and living gives you some perspective on not everything has to be perfect. Um, don't let, don't allow perfection to be the enemy of the good. Good enough. Nietzsche didn't say that. He didn't say that. No, he didn't say that. But Nietzsche whoever did was, was very smart. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's so good. You didn't have to go through the classic issues that many of us do with research in the sense that you had this body of knowledge about your subject both personally and professionally, I would think. It's not like you were diving into some archive. I mean, you did when you were a young, younger right. man. Yeah. Um, so I'm very interested in place. 
So uh, all of my books have a sense of place. So either Sils Maria in the case of um, Hiking with Nietzsche, or this place called Westwind, which is up in New Hampshire in the case of American Philosophy, a Love Story. So I, I actually take the research as being in place and asking yourself, what would it be like to climb Korvach, which was Nietzsche's fav favorite mountain? What is it like? How hard is this? What is Nietzsche writing at the same time? So I'm not painstakingly going through archives. What I typically do is take a sort of pilgrimage approach to biography. And um, what that allows me to do is to both reflect on my own life while I am deeply enmeshed in the readings of these uh, philosophers or thinkers. And I think that that's, for me, both a very meaningful way to live, but also to write, and also give some sort of um, genre bending or genre, hopefully some sort of genre creation movement. In other words, philosophical memoir is a very old form. Uh, Augustine, for example, uh, Socrates, for example. Um, but in the modern era, it's been sort of left behind. So to try to revive this tradition um, and to, to allow ge a general audience into it is the sort of objective. And kudos to your editor for allowing you to do that. She's been great, yeah. Eileen Smith at FSG has been absolutely pivotal. That's terrific. And do you get response from strangers about your writing? All the time. I bet you do. Yeah, and in fact, many of them say things like, well, I was going through a severe depression and this book helped. Or they say things like, my, my son was going through a severe depression and I, I now kind of understand him a bit better. Um, or American Philosophy, a love story is about divorce. And people say, wow, it sort of saved my marriage. Um, sometimes they say it broke up the marriage. Uh, that, that happens as well. That sometimes needs to happen, right, yeah. right. Well, right, we don't need chemistry, we need philosophy. That's in, right, in <laughs> yeah, that's right, you got it. That's John Cagg, author of Hiking with Nietzsche on Becoming Who You Are. Here now, he reads an excerpt. Nietzsche's philosophy is sometimes poo-pooed as juvenile, the product of a megalomaniac that is perhaps well-suited to the self-absorption and naivete of the teenage years, but best outgrown by the time one reaches adulthood. And it's true. Many readers on the cusp of maturity have been emboldened by what he called himself the good European. But there are certain Nietzschean lessons that are lost on the young. Indeed, over the years I've come to think that his writings are actually uniquely fitted for those of us who have begun to crest middle age. At 19, in Sils Maria, I had no idea how dull the world could sometimes be. How easy it would be to remain in the valleys to be satisfied with mediocrity or how difficult it would be to stay alert to life. At 37, I'm now just beginning to understand. Being a responsible adult is, among other things, often to resign oneself to a life that falls radically short of the expectations and potentialities that one had, or indeed still has. It is to become what one has always hoped to avoid. In midlife, the Ubermensch, Nietzsche's Ubermensch, is a lingering promise, a hope, that change is still possible. Nietzsche's Übermensch, actually his philosophy on the whole, is no mere abstraction. It isn't to be realized from an armchair or the comfort of one's home. One needs to physically rise, stand up, stretch, and set off. This transformation occurs, according to Nietzsche, in a sudden sentience, a prescience of the future, of near adventures, of seas open once more, and aims once more permitted and believed in. 
If this book is anything, I hope, it is about aims once more permitted and sought after, about hiking with Nietzsche into adulthood. Writer John Cack recorded on Saturday, May 18th at the Leon Levy Center for Biography at the City University of New York's Graduate Center during the 10th Annual Biographers International Conference there. To learn more, please visit our website, biographersinternational.org. Enzo De Palma created our theme music. Cherie Newman is our podcast editor. I'm Lisa Napoli in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening to Bio. <laughs>